I was nervous, but I also know that in some circumstances you have to act like everything is under control. What Keeps You Up at Night is a podcast produced by the Sciences Po Journalism School and the Paris School of International Affairs. Here, we bring you personal stories from political leaders around the world. How do they balance their responsibilities? How do they deal with their doubts? And how do they manage their priorities? With those questions in mind, we want to dive into the hopes and dilemmas that come with being in charge. I am Sarah Mianzoni. And I'm Michal Kubala. Louise Mushikiwabo, you are the Secretary General of the International Organization of La Francophonie, a body of 88 states and governments that promotes the French language and cultural diversity. Before that, you assumed several roles within the Rwandan government. Notably, you served as Minister of Foreign Affairs for almost a decade. You've studied languages in the United States and are perfectly fluent in French, English, as well as your native language, Kenya Rwanda. Today, we will talk about how you personally approach your public duties. Welcome to our studios at Sciences Po Journalism School. So, Louise Mushikiwabo, what does a normal night look like for you? A normal night um, starts late. When I'm in the office in, in Paris, I, I stay behind because it's quiet in the office and I read, reread sometimes. <laughs> Uh, my my mails, things uh, I, I didn't pay attention to during the day. And I sort of prepare my next day mentally. And then I usually go home around 8 p.m., 8.30. And then uh, uh, when I arrive at home, I spend a little time in, in, in the bedroom. I don't know why. Perhaps to feel that I am home. Look around things, um, um, sometimes just wash my face and move around and then go to the dining area. I, I try to eat a nice meal during the day and something light in the evening at home. And then around 10, 10.30, I watch the news and I go through a number of channels in French, in English, I check specific topics on social media, depending on what is going on that is of interest uh, to me or to, to, to me personally or to my country, to my work with OEF. I usually don't really get to sleep before half past midnight, one o'clock. Do you ever experience insomnia? And if yes, then how do you deal with it? I do sometimes, not often. Once uh, I have been lucky to have deep sleep, but every now and then, yes, I, I do get insomnia. I, I always wonder what it is of the many things that I've been thinking about, what specifically is keeping me up. But it doesn't happen that often, but it does, it does happen. You mentioned watching the news at night. You mentioned wanting to go on holiday. What's an activity that allows you to unplug after maybe a long day? Um, in the home routine, a nice shower. Mm -hmm. I, I like to come home and, you know, sort of 
get reacquainted with the space at home. You know, I walk in the kitchen, I open the fridge, I have a drink and I walk back and then I relax and, and I take a nice long shower. When you're holiday, mm. uh, do you still keep in touch with the news? I have no choice but to do that. I um, I was foreign minister for almost 10 years and, and when you're in that business... It, it, it becomes a routine to check what's going on in the world and to, you know, uh, read and, and, and watch and, and, and talk to people as well, try to find out what is going on. Um, it, that's, that happens all the time. Well, usually what I try to do on vacation is to check the phone in the evening, like try to forget the phone from morning to, say, uh, 7 or 8 p.m., doesn't always work, but it, that's that's really my, my routine. But usually something happens somewhere in the world, and, and even for uh, places or countries that are not directly linked to my work, I, I just like to know what is going on. You uh, were nominated as Minister of Foreign Affairs in 2009. Personally, how did you react to the news? What were your feelings um, about the challenges that come with that position. It's, it's a very um, interesting moment when I was uh, appointed uh, foreign minister. I was prime minister and the president had sort of talked to me indirectly just before that. Um, and I was at the time um, government spokesperson and minister of information. So I, I didn't expect anything. But in hindsight, when after I was uh, appointed, I, I realized that's... You know, there was sort of testing to see my interest and, and all that. But actually, I was at dinner with a friend and, and in his family. You know, we all kind of looked at each other. <laughs> and then, as it often happens in Rwanda, everybody starts sending you WhatsApps and messages. And so I, I, I saw my phone blinking and, you know, I heard, you know, the little notification noise. So I started thinking, what happened? And then uh, that's when I found out. Uh, but I was very happy. You know, I was only in government a year and a half. So I sort of, I felt flattered. I felt like what I've been doing for a year and a half was appreciated. I felt like it was the right thing for me. I was in the right place. But in terms of difficulties, like very tough negotiations, for example, my first, my very first mission abroad was to Kinshasa, DRC. And as, as it's been the case in the last 20-something years, there are always little tensions and, and problems between DRC and, and Rwanda. So I, I had to go to discuss the turn of uh, some refugees that had to go back home and some of them had been just crossing without being nicely properly organized by the government so I had to go and and discuss that I left uh, Rwanda and went to catch a flight in in Nairobi in Kenya which was like six in the morning or seven in the morning so I got an evening flight and went to Nairobi and spent the night and the next morning I, I went to to DRC um, I was anxious just because it was my first big thing. And then on the way back, I had to officiate the uh, Rwanda had just uh, built, constructed a new embassy in, in, in Kenya. So that was the festive part of the job. 
You're listening to What Keeps You Up At Night with Louise Mushikiwabo. In 2008, following your nomination within the government, you spent uh, 20 years in mostly in the United States. How was your first night back? I joined the government coming from Tunisia. I left the U.S. and went to work for the African Development Bank um, in Tunisia. So I went to Rwanda from Tunisia. And the decision was made rather quickly. Um, in fact, I sent my resignation uh, letter by email. Um, and then later on, I went back and, and moved and packed and, and everything. And um, it was very strange because at that time, my husband was moving to join me in Tunisia. So we had packed everything from, we were living in Washington at the time. And, and then I had to, after I, I did my interview and talked to the president, I called him and I said, um, make sure uh, our things are not uh, shipped yet. And it was late, um, late at night for me. I said, we might have to move to Rwanda and not, you know, and leave Tunisia. That first night, it was a mixture of being happy to return home after so long. Um, I had, of course, come back a few times, but not to settle. So the feeling that I'm coming back home to live and to stay uh, made me really happy. But I, I had this kind of weird uh, feeling. It was also the first time for me to work for a government. So, but I was excited with what was going on in Rwanda at the time. It was a mixture of I was very, very happy. And then I was wondering if I would be able to, to do the work uh, that I had to do properly. So that's the kind of night where you don't really sleep fully. What gives you a feeling of accomplishment? When I see people happy. For example, if I um, decide to support a cause, even outside my, my work, and I see the results that affect people's lives, I'm very happy. I feel like I've accomplished something. It doesn't matter how much work I do, if I very hard and, and kind of keep busy for weeks, but no result comes yet, I'm not, I'm not satisfied. But I could do just a small thing and I see that it's made somebody happy or changed something in their lives, it makes me happy. How do you know it made somebody happy? Usually feedback or, or you know, for smaller things, you see it on people's faces. For example, you, um, I've, I've supported um, uh, financially a number of young people, um, one of them graduated uh, recently and and he sent me uh, a photo and I just could see in his face because I remember the f first time I met this young man, he, he had a difficult time um, getting um, a suit for his uh, graduation. But then he wanted to keep on, um, get a, um, a higher degree. So I decided I would just help him. 
um, and I also found him a, a, a summer job. So recently, I mean, we don't communicate often, but he wanted to let me know that he graduated. And I, I you know, you just look at the face and, and I, I just feel so happy because what's a small thing for me, I mean, a relatively small thing for me, I mean, it has just made somebody feel like, you know, I'm ready to, to do things with my life. And so that really makes me very happy. And today, what, what gives you hope? What makes you dream of a tomorrow where more people are going to be happy? The world is not doing well in, in, terms, of, in terms of peace. In my own um, francophone space, you know, in the last two to three years, we've had three coup d'etats, two in one country, We've had president assassinated in Haiti. We've had all kinds of uh, complications um, and hardships, really suffering in Lebanon. Is, is it? I mean, how is this going to end? How things? I wonder how things will be in in fifteen, twenty, thirty years. Is it going to get worse? Is it going to get better? And do you think it will get better? I'm an optimist by nature. So I balance all that with some of the incredibly nice things that are happening in the world, especially with, with young people uh, creating uh, wonderful things and, and, you know, for lifestyle, for work. And there's a lot of good. So I always think things will get better. But this particular time, I think the last four or five years, there is just a lot, a lot going on. I, I look at the girls in, in Afghanistan that cannot go to school. Like, just get out of your home and, and, and study how to read and write, basic things. And, you know, we look at it from far, but it is, it is incredibly difficult to live in that kind of environment. So all these things, I, um, because I feel like we have advanced, the world has done wonders in, in, in the medical field, in technological field, um, in agriculture, in education, in many, many things. But why is it that we don't find a way to apply all this innovation and, and creativity? And, you know, today I, I wonder... I hope we can appease some of the situations and, and get better conditions for for many people, um, perhaps with uh, artificial intelligence. I don't know. I hope it will get better. Thank you for sharing your insights with us, Louise Mushikiwabu. And to our listeners, thank you for being with us. We hope you'll join us next time. Until then, take care and sleep well. If you've liked this episode, feel free to leave us a comment and a five-star rating. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to access all new episodes. Science, Science Po.